of the Feudal Report podcast, energized by Celsius, and a happy Victory Monday to every single Bucks fan watching and listening to this show. It's two Victory Mondays in a row, which is a great thing. Again, winning multiple games in a row or stacking them, as the Bucks coaching staff likes to say, uh, have not come very often this week, so we are very happy that it is a Victory Monday uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my co-host at Pewter Report, Scott Reynolds. We're going to talk about Devin White and the big game that he had and also look a little ahead to what's next for the Bucs. They obviously have the bye week coming up, and um, we'll look at the, the rest of the schedule there as well. Scott, how are you doing on this Victory Monday? I'm doing great. It's it's kind of exciting to have Victory Mondays again. This was kind of yeah. a staple the last couple of seasons. Been a little bit more challenging to come by this year, especially during that three-game losing streak. But Buccaneers, they get the whole week off. Todd Bowles said, hey, we'll see you next week. So not even, yeah. Yeah, not even having to practice at all. Sometimes in the past, we've seen uh, kind of like a, you know, a, a four or five day kind of kind of bye week, but um, you know, with a practice or two, or at least watching film, he said, "Get out of here, get some rest." And you know what? It's it's great to see this team uh, end this first half of the season on a high note, back to back wins, and I think quality wins too. Not that the Rams are are a world beater this year, probably not even going to make the playoffs, Matt, but. This was a, a team that was a thorn in the Buccaneers' side, obviously the defending Super Bowl champions. So that was a quality win, even though it was against maybe a lesser opponent. And, and now the Seahawks, uh, the, the best record that this Bucs team has faced in, in the NFC. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think Seattle was all that they were cracked up to be. They've lost to the Saints, the Falcons, and the Buccaneers now. So yeah. Seattle's having a hard time against NFC South uh, foes. And uh, and now the Buccaneers are five and five. They're they have got a, essentially a two game lead in the division because they own the tiebreaker over Atlanta. And uh, all is right with the world right now heading into this bye week. <laughs> it really does feel like it because the Rams game. I agree with everything that you said. They're not the same team that they were last year. They lost yesterday to the Cardinals in a battle of backup quarterbacks, yeah. which I watched very closely because I had the over in that game. And the Rams <laughs> scored a garbage time touchdown. Uh, they were down by like worst. 17 points, and they scored a garbage time touchdown with 12 seconds to go. It was great. But more importantly, the Bucs had to exercise some demons, their own personal yeah. demons, going to beat the, the L.A. Rams. And as ugly as it was and as great as the last-second comeback was, we still highlighted a lot of the issues that they had going yeah. into the Seahawks game. And by no means are the Bucs a finished product or are they right. perfect, but we saw a lot of great steps in the right direction, whether it was starting Rashad white. And maybe that was because Leonard Fournette had the, the passport issue, whether it was yeah. <laughs> the offense, not consistently having three and outs, not falling apart in the second half. Like, let's remember they closed out that game, Scott. They did. Like yeah. they could have given the ball back to Seattle with, you know, yep. around two minutes, something like that, maybe even a little bit less. But no, they held on to the ball the whole time. They got first downs. They ran it with Rashad White, which was fantastic. And then, you know, the defense didn't allow um some of the chunk plays that they have given up in, in recent weeks. They didn't have that one blunder, that one mental That's mistake right. that told Todd Bowles would say, we're not communicating enough. Um he's right. saying they've been communicating a lot nowadays yeah. so it was great to see that and of course it was spearheaded by Devin White with a uh with a fantastic game playing with a heavy heart yeah as we talked about but Devin White showed up and if he plays like that the rest of the season 
that's going to be nothing but great things for the Bucks defense. You're absolutely right. We're going to talk more about Devin White as the show goes on. The, the one thing I do want to say, though, is, listen, this season has not gone uh, how anybody maybe expected it to go, especially right. with, with losing to some, some one-win football teams at the time in Pittsburgh and also in, in Carolina. That 5-5, five and five, I think this team is underperformed, underwhelmed. I think that's fair to say. The first year of Todd Bowles has not gone smooth as as maybe people had expected, myself included. But I'm going to give Todd Bowles some credit because you mentioned exercising some demons, and he's done something that even Bruce Arians couldn't do. Yeah. That's beat the Seattle Seahawks. I shouldn't say the Seattle Seahawks, the, the L.A. Rams. Uh, West Coast. Yeah, beat the L.A. Rams and, and kind of exercised that demon and then exercised another demon by beating – the New Orleans Saints back in week two. So these are two losing streaks of seven to New Orleans and three to L.A. that the Buccaneers have suffered over the last couple of years. And, and then they also got their first international win. Now, maybe Tom Brady deserves more credit for that than Todd Bowles. But <laughs> at the same time, Todd Bowles is the first Bucks coach to win a international game because the Buccaneers were 0-3 coming into this with three straight losses, all of which were in London. I was there for one of them with Mark Cook, the late, yeah. great Mark Cook in 2019. It was a great weekend up until kickoff. And then yeah. after that, it went down, <laughs> downhill pretty fast with uh, Mike Evans um, not uh, hauling in a Jameis Winston pass and getting picked off. It was the first of five picks for Jameis. Uh, we did see an interception by Tom Brady yesterday. Surprisingly, we saw an interception from Leonard Fournette as well. <laughs> but they overcame those things to win their first international game. And now Tom Brady is 4-0 in international games. The Buccaneers are 1-0 in Germany. Uh, so, you know, th there are some positives here to kind of build on. And if you're one of these, these, these people that are maybe like glass half full, you know, you, you can sit there and say, okay, Five and five, they've overcome some injuries. They've overcome some bad play, some gelling with yeah. all of these newcomers on the offensive line, so many rookies that are that are now finding their way that weren't really playing up to this level the first couple weeks of the season, Matt. But you're looking at, at a, a two-point loss to the Packers and a two-point loss to the Steelers that if they had gotten two-point conversions in those games, if they had done something else extra to maybe win those games – it's not far-fetched to say this team could be 7-3. and three. I'm not going to give them credit for that because, as Tom Brady says, you, you get what you earn in this league. The Bucs are 5-5. Five and five. But I'm just saying their worst loss uh, you know, came in, in that shellacking at Carolina, which was just such an odd game yeah. from start to finish. Uh, then you got a 10-point loss to Kansas City. Then you know those other losses are you know just by a, a few points. Yeah, they're playing very close games, whether they win or lose. I mean, with the exception of beating Dallas and then pulling away from the Saints. But remember, that game was very close until, you know, it was the, the pick six by Jameis Winston that Mike Edwards took to the house. They played a lot of close games. You know, they let Atlanta back into right. it. Um, they came well, they they beat the Rams. They came very close uh, against the Packers, as you mentioned. So um, they've. I don't want to necessarily say gone through the ringer because every team deals yeah. with like injuries and stuff like that, but they're playing a lot of close games, which I think will help them later on yeah, in the season. And, you know, this team, of course, for the most part is battle tested. You still have the core group of guys that were on the, the Super Bowl team um, in 2020, but there are new yeah. pieces as we talked about. No more Ali Marpet, no Antonio Brown. 
Alex Kappa either. So you have a lot of new guys on the offensive line, new weapons on on offense and running back and receiver that haven't fully, um, you know, been established yet or tight end as well. But we're seeing that. And you would rather them have their struggles now or I guess the last month, really October was when it was really reared its ugly head. You would rather have that now than, you know, in November, like around Thanksgiving and in December when you're heading into the playoffs. And I think that's really important when you look at the schedule that um, the Bucs have coming up, which uh, I'll bring up in just a moment. But first, I want to talk about our presenting sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast, which, of course, is Celsius Energy Drinks. I know the Bucs were pretty pumped up after winning that game in Germany. I'm sure it was a very fun ride home. They were uh, energized. And of course, we love Celsius for so many different reasons, starting off with the variety of flavors that they have. You see the Arctic peach and tropical vibe flavors up there. The Arctic is, I think, without question now, my number one favorite uh, Celsius energy drink. But you can also go in a number of different directions. They have the cola flavor, uh, Fuji apple pear, peach mango, sparkling watermelon, sparkling wild berry. So a lot of great, awesome flavors that you got to check out. They have seven essential vitamins, which is super important because it's the healthy version of an energy drink there's none of that you know post energy drink crash or 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 jitters that you get from you know some other products out there so it gives you that essential energy to crush whatever it is that you are doing now you might be wondering where can i get these celsius energy drinks that's a great question that's why we have some awesome listeners and viewers just go to the celsius store locator and find out where you can get one near you. It could be your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, your bodega, as I like to say. You know, just try bodega. one out. Bodega. Just try one out. See if you like it. And if you do, I'm pretty sure that you will. You can go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and start getting them in bulk. I recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Just make sure you're drinking a uh, Celsius energy drink. That's Celsius hashtag live fit, hashtag Celsius energy. Celsius, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Yeah. Uh, here are the next couple of games for the Bucs. They, they have a buy. And shout out to Mark for the comment. Seriously, do yeah. you think we win against Seattle if we had lost to the Rams? Um, interesting question. I still yeah. think that, you know, they they could have. I mean, they did beat Seattle, but they still yeah. could have beaten Seattle even if they lost to the Rams. I understand like morale would be down pretty low but i think you saw it as well if you look around the league the packers have lost five in a row and they beat the cowboys yesterday in a pretty exciting game so you know every week is a week-to-week basis that's why you have the 24-hour rule can't get too high or too low right uh in anything so i appreciate the question mark i i I do think momentum is real yeah at at the same time though just because you win last week doesn't mean you're going to win this week right it doesn't mean just because you've lost three in a row, that it's going to be four in a row either. So I, mm-hmm. I do believe in momentum, and I think certain teams can really get on a run. We saw the Buccaneers obviously get on that eight-game run, which was chock full of momentum at the end of the 2020 season that, that culminated in the Super Bowl. Uh, but I, I, I kind of think if they lost to the Rams, I think that would have taken a lot of wind out of this team's sails. Four straight mm-hmm. losses, losing five out of six, then going – on that flight over to Germany to face a Seattle team, I just think that the morale would have been down and it would have affected the energy and the effort. And and I think the fact that they won against the Rams, Matt, and then you still had Tom Brady questioning this team's effort. 
after that win on the Let's Go podcast on Monday night, I think that was a little bit of fuel to the fire. It it was like, hey, don't feel really good about yourself, guys. You beat the Rams, but we're still under 500, and it's been due to piss poor effort. Yeah, it's like, hey, you you won, but we didn't we didn't do jack squat. You know, we're we're still the same team that struggles uh, in the red zone on offense. Right. It it took us 59 minutes and 51 seconds to to beat the Rams. Right. So. Don't don't get full of yourselves. The fact that you won, it's been this embarrassing effort that has got this team into the hole that it's in. And I think I think I think that really resonated with this Bucks team. And I think I think everybody when Tom spoke, everybody listened, especially when it went public. Yeah. It's one thing yes. to one thing to say it in the building. It's another thing when you get put on blast publicly by your quarterback. I think that was a bit of a rallying cry and and kudos to Tom Brady for showing great leadership in doing that. It's so funny, though, just how winning changes a lot of things. Like, they won yeah. two in a row. It's like they're on top of the world again. And, like, we're forgetting the fact that they had lost three in a row and lost right. to really bad teams. Like, hey, yeah. you know, they're 2-0 and in their last two, yeah. uh, which is which is very exciting to see. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for the 499 Super yes, Chat. Thank you. Justin, I'm going to say Montague. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Or Montague. Montague or Montague. Yeah, Montague. Um, I had flashbacks when Julio Jones scored that touchdown yesterday, very similar to the 2016 week one touchdown against us. Uh, I don't specifically remember that one. Um, I wasn't covering the Bucks at the time, so yeah. admittedly, I don't remember that specific moment, but yeah. I don't know. 2016 was, was a dark year, and I try to forget those years. <laughs> I've seen, <laughs> seen too many of them. Uh, so, yeah, 2016 uh, was, it was the first year of Dirk Cutter. And I, I can't remember that. Um, I, I've watched a lot of football, forgotten a lot of football. <laughs> that 50, is true. So. I do think about like when I played, it's like, okay, I remember certain things when yeah. I when I played football, but I couldn't tell you like, oh, this specific game in the third quarter with like, you know, yeah, four minutes to go in the game or, you know, something like yeah. that. But to your point, Justin, about just Julio Jones in general, I mean, it was huge just the fact that he – Looked, I'm not, I'm not gonna say vintage Julio, uh, Julio. That would, that would be crazy yeah. to say that. But he looked like Week One Julio, which uh, the Pucks will gladly take. I'm talking about 2022 Week One Julio yeah. Jones, but the Pucks will gladly take that. And granted, he was, you know, there's a breakdown in the coverage on the Seahawks for that play. Um, but he caught the ball in stride. He did his job. He headed towards the end zone. Looked pretty yep. fast while while running. And um, you know, that's a good sign for the Bucks. I've pretty much written off Julio Jones and, you know, he me proved too. me wrong yep. in that game. Uh, I hope it continues. I'm, I don't want to be crazy negative here on a victory Monday, but I, I'm not fully convinced he's going to be able to do this for the whole season. If they right. can get it in spurts though, like maybe Julio does this for the next two weeks and then Russell Gage can come back and then Russell Gage takes over the, uh, you know, third wide receiver option. But right. It was just nice to see Julio make a big play. He had a, Big tackle, too, on the interception that Tom Brady threw, which is funny because I don't see him getting too physical that often. And even Todd Bowles complimented Julio Jones for adding another dimension to this team, but also gave him a lot of praise for what he does as a blocker in the run game. It's just funny. When I think of Julio, I don't think of a physical guy. I think just because of the injury history that he's had, where it seems like if he bumps into someone, he could get injured. But (laughs) Hey, credit to Julio for a, a great game and scoring the first ever touchdown on German soil in a regular season game. 
Yeah, and and Nick Leverett too. He's he got to love this guy's energy. I thought he was really good in pass protection. Run blocking yeah. was okay, but I thought he was really good in pass protection. Tom Brady did not get sacked yesterday. Only got hit one time, I think, the entire game. And Nick Leverett is the first guy down there to congratulate anybody that gets a touchdown. So he is so full of energy. It's cool to see Nick. And, and I, I talked to Todd Bowles today about Nick Leverett. And it sounds like, and you know, Todd was saying, well, Lou Gedeke, he's not back from his injury yet. So obviously we're going to keep playing Nick. But he also did say Nick Leverett did deserve this opportunity to, yes. to play because he's playing really well. Uh, one other thing, too. And I saw a question here. I'm not sure if I can dig it back up. Here we go. Uh, what are the chances of getting Jensen back like the Bucks got Vita Vea back in 2020? I, I don't know the answer to that, but there was another question, too, about Logan Ryan's possible return. And I, I retweeted Logan Ryan uh, saying that he's going to be back pretty soon. Yeah, Th that's going to be a really big boost because if they can get him back to where he was playing before, this is a guy that is super smart, that knows the defense. Uh, that that communicates really well. He's kind of like a like a you know uh, traffic control uh, guy there, yeah. traffic cop if you will. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and and he's also a, a turnover turnover machine. He's a takeaway guy. Three takeaways in the first three games of the season that he yes. had. He had interception at Dallas. He had the key force fumble in the red zone against the Saints to prevent them from getting points on the board, and then recovered a fumble forced by Vita Vea uh, in the end zone, or maybe it was the one-yard line uh, against the Packers, but it ended a, a, a Packers scoring drive there yes. too. So timely guy. I mean, his his idol is Rondé Barber, and he talks and plays like Rondé Barber. He really does. Getting him back and getting Ryan Jensen back would be a boon to this team down the stretch. I think, I think Ryan Jensen, his return might be more in doubt, Matt, but it yeah. sounds like we, we're going to be seeing Logan Ryan again before the season's over. I also want to point out that Logan Ryan had an interception against Aaron Rodgers in that same Packers game, like right at midfield. That's that right. It set the Bucs up yeah. uh, to try to score, but we know how difficult it was for them to, yes. to score points um, in that game. So I would love to have Logan Ryan back as soon as possible. Todd Bowles had a little bit of a different tune when asked yeah. if he could be back. He said uh, it's possible. I mean, anything is possible, yeah. but right. um he said he doubts it because he hasn't seen him run yet. But yeah. as you mentioned, Logan Ryan went to social media and said that he'll be back soon. Does that right. mean in two weeks when they have their first game after the bye? I don't necessarily know, um, but it would it would be good to see. But Scott, I also see right now it is uh, it's 420 yep. on our clock here. For those that don't know, uh, it's about time for something we like to do on Monday afternoons, and it's even better when uh when it's on a victory monday yes and that is roll call tell us where you're at pewter people we have so many awesome fans that listen and watch the pewter report podcast maybe consume our content on pewterreport.com and we appreciate you guys so much we want you to join us in the chat right now tell us where you are watching the show from we have great fans in the state of florida we have great fans across the United States, and we also have awesome fans internationally in places such as Finland, Brazil, uh, Germany as well, Germany, where yeah. the, Bucks, the Bucks just played. So um, start putting your yep. location Matt, I'm going to let you get comments. to that. I've got a little bit of a rant today. All right. So, awesome. Yeah, yep. I'm writing about this in, in today's two-point conversion, which is on my post-game column. 
as well. And um, it's it's about Devin White, and it's kind of what the show is about today as well. Devin White played Pro Bowl caliber football yesterday. I mean, he looked he looked at as as good as he's looked all season. Uh, that Dallas Cowboys game where he had a couple of sacks, the the Saints game where he had a sack and was all over the place. Uh, but the only problem with Devin White is is he needs to be that splashy playmaker for this defense. And he started the season with the bang, those first two games. And keep in mind, when the season doesn't start until September 11th, there's only three games really in the month of September. And Devin White was named the NFC Defensive Player of the Month for September, and he deserved it. Didn't play that great against the Packers in that 14-12 to loss, but that kind of started a, a downward slide, and we saw this at the tail end of last year, Devin White playing undisciplined football, playing a little out of control, um, you know, getting pushed around, not getting off blocks, um, you know, leaving his gap, trying to guess and freelance a little bit, leaving his assignment and pass protection, and either trying to get a sack or just blowing the coverage. And it got to the point where Devin White was hurting the defense. And Devin White deserved to be called out for that because he's a better player than that. Nothing personal against Devin White. I like Devin White. Everybody on the Peter Report staff likes Devin White. It's you know, He chose to, to block us after I tweeted the uh, the comment that, that Devin White was, was one of the most overrated players in the NFL. And, and I even said it needs to be said. And at the time, he was one of the most overrated players in the NFL. That's how he was playing. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with saying that Devin White came back with a vengeance against the Rams. And he played a really good game. Very smart assignment sound. Very disciplined play. Only had, I think, maybe four or five tackles in that game. But the mental gaffes were gone. And it even was reflected in his pro football focus grade, which was over 70. And usually pro football focus, even in games like where Devin White gets 10 and, and 15 tackles, they'll knock him for this and ding him for that. And he's usually one of the lowest graded players uh, by PFF. But he played really good against the Rams. He played a great game against uh, the Seahawks. He was a dominant force. He was That was one of, the, of his best games. And the reason why it was one of his best games was simply because he was playing under control. He blitzed. He got a couple of sacks. He got a key forced fumble. And I, I just want to give the guy all the props in the world because he deserves it. Now, the thing is, is as Aristotle once said, the famous philosopher, yeah. excellence is a habit, not an act. Okay. And when you're the fifth overall pick, when you've reached Pro Bowl status, which is what Devin White did last year, some would say maybe he didn't deserve it as much in 2021 as he maybe did in 2020 when he was an absolute phenom in the playoffs. But he is capable of playing like he played over the last two games on a consistent basis. And that's where he has to get to. That's the level he has to get to. The, the ceiling... Could be a game like like yesterday, Matt. Two sacks, nine tackles to lead the team, a forced fumble, maybe even an interception, a scoop and score. We've seen him do that before. Uh, maybe a 15-tackle game, right? That's what he's capable of. That's his ceiling with all of his immense talent and his playmaking ability. The floor, though, for Devin White needs to be that Rams game. No splash plays, but no mental gaps, not hurting the team, uh, no dumb penalties, 
right? Playing assignment sound football, maybe only getting a handful of tackles because other people are are you know more involved in in the game and we saw that right with the Rams and that horizontal passing attack they like to throw those screens to the perimeter that's why Carlton Davis had six tackles and Keanu Neal led the team with 10 right because that's where the action was it wasn't mostly in the middle of the defense where Devin White and Levante David were but if Devin White can get to these last two games and play either good football like he did against the Rams or great football like he did against the Seahawks, he's going to carry this defense uh, to new heights. And he's going to make this defense play like it has the last two weeks. He is the heartbeat of this defense. He is the emotional spark plug of this defense. He is the playmaker of this defense when he's on. And he deserves the praise that, that he gets for these last two weeks just like he deserved the criticism from week three to week eight, okay? And I hope that we see this version of Devin White, the, the Germany, the Seattle Seahawks game version of Devin White going forward. And and I want to give him you know, a ton of credit, too, for getting on that plane, like Todd Bowles said, and going across the pond and, and playing in that game. Uh, everybody would have been – Fine with with Devin White bowing out due to family uh, concerns mm-hmm. with the passing of his father. That would have been completely understandable. He chose to play. Honestly, it was a performance reminiscent of Quan Alexander, I believe, when he lost his brother uh, back in uh, the late 2010s and had a, a tour de, de force performance in Atlanta and helping the Buccaneers get a win there. So kudos to Devin White. Nothing personal. Uh, I I hope this guy continues this level of play because it's fun to watch him. He's a great guy, and and if he continues to play this way, this Buccaneer defense is going to play lights out football. Yeah, well said, Scott. Uh, One, Devin White deserves all of the credit and the praise that he's getting this week. If we're going to criticize him when he hasn't played well, um, we should all compliment him when he played like he did yesterday and to go through everything that he went through with the passing of his father and to step up and be a leader of this team make the big play in a moment where the Bucks defense needed it as the Seahawks were driving down the field we got that flying Devin White but not the out of control Devin White which was just awesome to see um and you know he's a big reason why Kenneth Walker didn't really have much of an impact on this game Devin White was able to chase him down in the passing game on you know short dump off um you know passes to him and and things like that it's funny i I didn't i didn't see an aristotle quote coming uh, on today's (laughs) podcast but uh hey you never know what you're gonna get i'm more of a socrates guy myself i know it's socrates (laughs) i know it's socrates that's from bill and ted it is uh, there you go matt i love it yeah but i i really liked what you said about that the ground floor for devin white should be what he did in the Rams game. Yeah, Devin White's really should. worst game can't be like what it was uh, against the Ravens. And I know right. some people have said like, oh, you're only highlighting a couple of plays like when he lost to Lindbaum uh, on the Ravens. But it goes much, much further than that. I yeah. just think Devin, when he's able to hone in on everything that he can do, mm-hmm. his awareness, like he has the skill set and the ability to be a top level linebacker yeah. in this league. He just does. He has that speed. Yeah. He's got confidence. No one believes in himself more than Devin White. Which that, that's is, right. Which and is great. But sometimes you don't want that is. bravado to be too much. And it wasn't. And I think he was humbled yeah. over the you know criticism that he's gotten lately. You know, he talked yeah. about it last week after the rain the Rams game. 
And he brought it over into this game. And for whatever reason, Devin White loves forcing fumbles against the Seattle Seahawks. I he just does. remember that last right. time when they were in Seattle and there was a big run. I think it was by Russell Wilson or maybe it was the running back. And Devin White ran 40 yeah. yards down the field, knocked the ball out. It went right. out of bounds. So the Bucs weren't able to recover it. But then he had the, the forced fumble in this game. So if Devin yeah. can start taking the ball away. You know, they say turnovers uh, come in bunches. And for their team captain, one of their leaders, mm -hmm. the guy that wants that next big contract, as we talked about, for yeah. him to start the uh, the barrage, hopefully mm -hmm. it's going to come of turnovers when there was clearly a drought. He got the ball rolling. Let's see if right. it continues uh, in two weeks from now against the Browns. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think that the last thing, too, about Devin White is, is he also made a very heady play, breaking yes. up that two-point conversion, too, right? Yes. That, that's key. And, and I think the thing for Devin White is it's the neck up, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's a smart guy. He has instincts when, when he's like tuned in, right? When he's focused, dialed in and tuned in, uh, he sniffs out the ball. He can shoot gaps. Uh, I love the fact that Todd Bowles, Matt, the reason why he's become such a, a good blitzer again, he's got five sacks now with two yesterday. He's second on the team behind Vita Vea, who's uh, at six and a half, but he's got five sacks. I love what they're doing with him with these delayed blitzes, right? Because uh, we saw how effective he was in 2020 with the, with the nine sacks, right? And and then last year that sack production fell off. Why? Because they were showing him in the a gap again, right? And, and it's yeah. it's it's tempting because he's so fast, right? And he does have the ability with one step to really split that a gap between the center and the guard, unless they're almost at zero splits, right? And and knife through there and get to the quarterback. And he did that quite a bit in 2020. But I think teams kind of caught on to that. And we saw quarterbacks, I go back to that Patriots game, Matt, on Sunday night football, where I mean, Devin White had Mac Jones dead to rights. And Mac Jones is is Mac Jones is not a, a mobile guy by any means. No. But he literally just sidestepped Devin, let him go by, and and I love how Todd Bowles is delaying him now, right? He's he is he's kind of stacking him behind a, a defensive lineman and letting the rush develop. And then Devin White still has the speed on a delay blitz to to knife through that A gap or the B gap and come free and get the quarterback. And I think when he does that, he's more effective because then he comes in so fast, the quarterback is not reading him pre-snap oh he's standing right in the a gap here comes Devin White right and he's not getting a beat on him so we're seeing the quarterback and we saw it with Geno Smith who is a mobile mobile quarterback but but he he's got those and I say he all the quarterbacks he's sacked they've got those deer in the headlights look and that's why Devin White is not missing on these sack opportunities on these delayed blitzes it's a great wrinkle for him I don't know if it's a Todd Bowles thing or if it's a Larry Foote thing the co-defensive coordinator, inside linebackers coach, but it's working for Devin White. Yeah, hopefully it will continue. You know, if I had a beer right now, I would I would cheers or I would I would raise a toast to Devin White for for how he played in that last game. And if I had a beer to do it with, it would be Pirate Republic, as you see Scott holding the Long John Pilsner right there. Of course, yep. Pirate Republic is the official beer of PewterReport.com. They are based out of the Nassau Bahamas and invading. Florida now, just in time for football season. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original pirate code, which is a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. 
The Long John Pilsner, the red one that uh, you just saw Scott holding, is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. The Take No Quarter IPA is the best IPA that you'll drink. You can also drop an orange slice in the Golden Haze Piracy Belgian Wit Beer and enjoy the pirate life. Pirate Republic beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more. Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC Liquor Stores. That's where I get my Pirate Republic. Uh, ABC Liquor Stores in the greater Tampa Bay area. They are expanding across the state of Florida. Live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. As you see, all three beers right there on the screen. Can't go wrong with any of them. Yeah, And, and Matt- you'll, be some, you'll be seeing Pirate Republic uh, pretty soon. I will, yes. I just checked the weather forecast. I'm going on a cruise with the family during the bye week to Nassau, Bahamas, and it's going to be raining uh, while I'm yeah. down there. Um, but hey, that's fine. I'll go to the tap room uh, at, <laughs> at the Pirate Republic tap room down there. They've got, I think, six extra beers that they only uh, brew and sell in the Bahamas that I'll be trying, and I'll be uh, posting some of those picks on the Pewter Report Twitter account and social media. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. I'm really looking forward to that. Nothing better to do when it's raining out than sit around and drink some beer. So I'll be doing that. Um, listen, if you have not tried Pirate Republic, folks, I we implore you to do so. Uh, yes, they are a paid advertiser. But you know what? Uh, and, and Matt will attest to this. We're not going to pitch a product or a service that we don't recommend wholeheartedly, right? We're not going to sit there and have this be the official beer of Peter Report if it's not good. And I had to try them. And I, I even told them, I said, listen, I'm not an IPA fan. I'm not. And they said, <laughs> try this one. You're, you're, you're going to like it. It's not too hoppy, but it's got enough hops for an IPA drinker. And so, folks, if you have not tried any of the Pirate Republic beer yet, I implore you to do so. They're available at those places Matt talked about, Lucan's Liquors, ABC, uh, Total Wine, and more. And, uh, and party liquors in the Tampa Bay area. So go grab a six-pack, grab a four-pack of the IPA, and try Pirate Republic this week. Also, if you happen to be in Ebor City, for those uh, fans that live in Tampa, if you're in Ebor and you go to New York, New York, the pizza place, they have Pirate Republic there, too. They so do. you get pizza, yeah. and uh, you can have some Pirate Republic with it. Pizza and beer, it's a pretty pretty good combo. So Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, well, listen, uh, we're going to be talking about Rashad White on the show on Wednesday. We're kind of going to dedicate a little bit of time to the running back situation there. But there was some news today. Todd Bowles kind of confirmed, although the report was that Leonard Fournette's hip injury is not that bad and that he should be able to play against the Cleveland Browns. I don't think Todd Bowles went so far as to like really back that report, but he didn't shoot it down either. He said, we'll kind of have to wait and see. But, uh, but we're going to be talking more about Rashad White on uh, on the program on Wednesday on the Peter Report podcast. And folks, if you have not checked out our coverage, our post-game coverage, we've got uh, a lot of it at, um, Sorry. at pewterreport.com, which is our website. So make sure that you check out the stories on pewterreport.com. Follow Peter Report on social media. The handle is at Peter Report. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And make sure that you follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's called Pewter Report TV. And we're approaching 10,000 subscribers. We'd love to hit that this month. I think we're over, what, 10,600 bats. We've got a couple hundred more to go. We'd love to have yeah. you as a subscriber. If you haven't done so, it's really easy. They say subscribe, Matt, but it's free. So there's no subscription cost. Just click the button and boom, you're a subscriber just like that. And you can also 
hit the like button on all of our videos, whether it's the Peter Report podcast, whether it's Peter Game Day, whether it's the interview clips that Matt puts up from our press uh, conferences and open locker room sessions, or whether it's the videos that Josh Capo and Paul Atwell do uh, for us, the analysis pieces. Make sure that you're liking all of those, and um, and and we greatly appreciate it. We love you, Peter people. Thank you so much for, for helping us grow our, our Peter Report TV YouTube channel. Yeah, without question, and it's growing every single day, and it's it's really fun to see, and we couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, we actually had a video earlier today. You mentioned the Josh Capo video. Yeah. This we can talk about the Bucks offense, and thank you, Mike, for the uh, very nice comment here. Keep up the great work, Matt Scott and Peter Report team. Usually listen to you guys after the fact on uh, 2X. Maybe just talking about Spotify, uh, listening to it quicker, uh, but always enjoy your commentary and insights, and I'm a big fan. Thank you so much, Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really time. appreciate that. Uh, one thing we can kind of talk about with the offense and not getting too much into our topic for Wednesday yeah. um, is Josh Capo's video from today. If you guys haven't watched it yet, again, go to our YouTube, yeah. Peter Report TV. Uh, it's about a six-minute video of him talking about how the Bucks went away from one of their usual tendencies in the screen game, which Josh wrote an article yes. last week, pretty much calling out and highlighting the fact that the Bucks have a very glaring tell when they are going to run a screenplay. And a lot of, you know, there's a couple of different screens, but a lot of the ones they like to go to is uh, the little screen to Chris Godwin when he's yep. lined up in the, in the slot and the Rams nearly got a pick six because they saw it right away. And, and, called it out and almost took it the other way yeah they made adjustments for that game against the seahawks yeah. and it looked like they were going to run a screen again to julio jones, to julio yeah. jones yeah. and julio got ready for it but brady threw a pump fake and then when uh went further to mike evans and chris godwin yeah. who were down the field so yeah. that was great to see they went away from their predictability yes i really loved nice. it and chris godwin was open mike evans yeah. was open he had two receivers open there tom brady could have could have you know, picked and choose which one he wanted to hit there, but but, uh, but yeah, it was good to see. I thought the play calling was was okay. I, I, I'm going to say that the execution and the effort by the offense, especially the offensive line up front, I think that was was more a key to the success than anything. Especially getting touchdowns on the board, not field goals. So to me, um, I want to say it was not a bad game that Byron called except for that god-awful <laughs> interception by Leonard Fournette, which I'm not going to blame Leonard for that. Uh, I'm going to blame just like – and I even wrote about this in, in the, the Bucks Monday mailbag uh, today. And, and the, the question was – and I didn't really think about this. It's obvious now in hindsight. But, but Matt, why would you want to put your 45-year-old quarterback at risk, right? Let's say he catches the ball yeah. and Tariq Woolen just – just smashes him, right? Him. Right, like breaks a rib. Or, I mean, like it could have been disastrous, right? So, it, it, you know, it's one of those things, even if Brady's open, right? It, even if even if Fournette's, uh, Fournette's pass is on the money and Brady catches it for, I don't know, 10, 12-yard gain, and then he gets walloped right. by Tariq Woolen and ends up getting hurt, that would have been disastrous, right? I mean, uh, you know, what? Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be – you know, disastrous. I mean, you do have Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. Of course, of course. Yeah. But we like Tom Brady better this year because this is Tom's 
probably his last year, and Tom's playing pretty well. We like it for the chances of actually winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, with, yeah. With, with all due <laughs> right. respect to, to Ex- Blake Cameron. Exactly, but but you get my point, though? I'm yes, gonna... I, I 100% get your point. Um, I'm not backing Byron here, but if I were going to, I guess, speak on his behalf or what he was thinking, and not that I agree with this, but those type of trick plays are designed to completely take the defense off guard and surprise them. So when they drew it up, I believe the idea was that Brady would be wide open with no one else around him. So he either catches it and walks into the end zone or catches it and gets out of bounds before he can really get hit. Now therein lies the problem, Scott, (laughs) is that they just ran the same exact like setup. Yeah. What? Five plays before before, it was. And we talked about it yesterday on the show where myself and Josh Capel were like, oh, look, like Brady's wide open. So yeah. you think, oh, well, they're doing this again, and Leonard stops. Okay, he's going to go to Brady, and Woolen was right there. I don't yeah. think Byron called the play thinking, okay, Brady's going to win his one-on-one battle with Tariq Woolen, and we're going to get a big gain out of this. Right. And again, I'll, I'll say it one more time. I don't necessarily hate trying to call a trick play i just hate the fact that one they did it on a drive where they were moving the ball down the field and they had the momentum right and two i don't even hate the idea of a trick play where leonard's throwing the ball right but maybe throw it to like mike evans or chris godwin because even if the seahawks have it covered if it was that exact play but it's mike evans yeah. You're like, okay, sure. It, it, at Evans least it's a 50-50 ball. Then, hey, right? it's a 50-50 jump ball, and Mike right. Evans is pretty good at those. Yeah. And again, to go back to Brady being a receiver, you know, you look at the Super Bowl years ago, the Philly Philly. Um, right. It's, an, it's a wide open Nick Foles. Like, no one yeah. was around Nick Foles when he right. caught it. The Jets ran a similar play against the Steelers yeah. this year, and Zach Wilson caught it. Zach Wilson was wide open. There was right. no one around him. That was the idea of the play. Yeah. It just so happened. In both those cases, the Eagles and the Jets did not right. run the same formation yeah. five plays earlier. So that also, too, Matt, you, you also you got to do some scouting if you're Byron Leftwich. You're trying to yeah. throw over a six foot four cornerback, right. right? Who has four interceptions coming into the game yeah. now has five. This guy is a ball hawk. He is the fastest player on the field. He runs a sub four three, and he's six foot four. And he's used to picking up passes. So it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Right? I mean, come and on. I also don't totally blame Leonard Fournette because, like, we've all been in that situation. Like, if you played football and, like, yeah. you know, if you're running scout team or something like that, it's like, okay, I'm going to be the running back and I get to throw at this play. Like, I'm sure Leonard on the inside was like, oh, I get to throw this? Like, let's right. go. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Sure he's he's not, not going to throw it. Yeah. Right? That, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> he's not I mean, like, oh, no, I better take this and, like, keep running yeah, down the field. Even if it's a pick six. Like Lenny could walk to up to Byron and say, "Hey, you you called the pass play for the halfback." Right. So yeah. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. the, it's not that's just a fact. Like, Lenny, did you not read the coverage on this play? Like, yeah. you oh, know, he's <laughs> I did what you said, which is throw it to Tom. <laughs> that's all. It is. I mean, we saw it. Lenny put it on his Twitter. He put it on yeah. his QB too. I know. Hey, yeah. Look at me. I'm I'm throwing the football. So right. Uh, clearly, he's not in the doghouse that much for the passport. It's like, hey, yeah. we're gonna give you a throwing play. Yep. Um, but, but, but listen, we, we do nitpick uh, about this. I will say the offense, though, you know, they ran the ball for, what, 161 yards, which yes. was uh, 
uh, season high, even topped with what they had in Dallas. Mm-hmm. 105 yards, a couple of tremendous runs by Rashad White, 29 yarder, 18 yarder to kind of salt away the game at the end. They ran the four minute offense to perfection. Yes. They didn't give the ball back at all. I mean, they they did that. No sacks uh, allowed uh, on Tom Brady. Only one quarterback hit. Um, they even lost the turnover battle two to one with those interceptions from Brady and and Lenny. But they still won largely because of of the complimentary football. Right? It was yes. it was not just what the offense was doing in converting sixty six point seven percent of their third downs. Now they, they, they were 10 of 15 on third downs. That's a little bit more third downs than you'd like to have, Matthew. <laughs> like you, right. you don't have that many third downs. You want to get more chunk plays, but we saw some chunk plays. Yes, we finally we saw this offense, you know, kind of, we saw Tom hang in the pocket because he did have pass protection. I'm going to credit Nick Leverett for, you know, kind of putting Tom's mind at ease at the left guard spot. And we saw, one, two, three, four. I'm going to say five. Five passing plays of 20 yards or more. 31 yard touchdown to Julio Jones, a 29 yarder to Mike Evans, a 25 yarder to Kate Odden, a 22 yarder to Scotty Miller that if he, if he keeps his feet, just catches it and runs. It's yeah. a gimme touchdown. And I'm going to round up for Chris Goblin, as I said last night in the podcast, from that 19 yarder to a 20 yarder just because he caught his first touchdown of the year and played really, really well. So, I just think there's a lot of of good things. They they scored in the red zone, touchdowns, not field goals. So I'm going to give Byron a pass for that awful play call. But it was kind of a momentum changer because even if they just get a field goal out of that drive, Matt, uh, Mm -hmm. it it really just kind of – it's another score on the board. Now they're up three scores over the Seahawks at that point in time, 17 to nothing, and – you know, and it probably deflates him a little bit. Instead, Tariq Woolen makes a hero play, and they get some momentum. They're they're back in it. They had him on the ropes. Yeah, they really had him on yep. the ropes. Or for UFC fans, there was a great fight on Saturday, and uh, Israel Adesanya was leading going into the fifth round, and he could have just finished it there, but the other guy came back and knocked him out. Now the Seahawks didn't knock out the Bucks in right. that situation, but it clearly changed the momentum. And you know, that doubt starts creeping in for the Seahawks if the Bucs go down and, you know, maybe they score another touchdown because, as you said, they were great uh, in the red zone. But to get back to the offensive line, I really hope that this is a sign of things to come for this offensive line because they look great. And I understand the Seahawks yeah. defense or the defensive line isn't exactly, you know, the the, the steel curtain back in right. the day or whatever it is, but. I think we're starting to see some cohesiveness, which hopefully stays if Nick Leverett continues to be the starting left guard. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Donovan Smith in your Fab Five. Mm-hmm. Like he Again, played better. Yeah. Right, yeah, he played better. Tristan Wirfs is the greatest right tackle in football, uh, yep. you know, right now and hopefully will be for the next five to ten years. So slowly but surely, this offensive line is getting together. And you, that's why you see the potential. That's why yeah. you see them get over a hundred yards for what the second time this season. That's why you saw both running like Dev, uh, Leonard Fournette. I was looking it up average 4.07 yards per carry. And I know mm-hmm. Rashad white was the, the player of the game right. or the, the, the spiel mocker. He was the ultimate playmaker <sighs> yeah. for, uh, for that team. But Leonard Fournette averaged four yards per attempt. That was the most since week one. And yeah. I don't think it's sure. Some of it's Lenny's angry and he's fighting for more playing time. But I think a lot of that has to go with the offensive line. It was the offensive line 
that got them over the line, no pun intended, right. in that four-minute drill or when they had the ball and had to close the game out. Sure, there was a completion of Chris Godwin got them a first down, but the rest was that offensive line blocking and Rashad White ripping off a big run, yeah. I believe an 18-yarder to, to finish off the game. So Matt, hopefully I, that's a sign of things to come for the offensive I, line. I think what you're saying is this offensive line was rejuvenated. As we yes, age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Okay, guys, and ladies, too, because my wife, Ashley, is also an age rejuvenation customer, a client, just like I am, just like John Gilmore, former Buccaneer tight end that uh, helps us out with the Peter Report uh, tailgate shows. Uh, and and uh, you know, if, if you are feeling sluggish, if you are getting up there in age, um, I'm 50, turned 50 this year. John Gilmore is 43. My wife's about 10 years younger than me. And as you get older, right, for guys, it's it's the loss of testosterone. It happens naturally. And it usually starts in the 40s. Now they're seeing it due to poor diet and uh, processed foods and stuff. It, it, low testosterone is happening to, to men in their 30s. But there's a way to reverse it. So whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, if you want to feel younger, uh, highly recommend Age Rejuvenation. Go to agerejuvenation.com. There are five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. And sign up for their free consultation and, and go in there and, and talk to them and find out what they can do with their testosterone therapy. It has worked wonders for me. I'm sleeping better. I, I totally feel like I'm 40 rather than 50. I really feel like the clock has been turned back for me physically and mentally. It's great. And I wish I would have done this sooner. I wish I would have done this like age 44, 45, when I really started to kind of feel this onset of age. So there is a way for you to feel younger, and it's with the testosterone therapy. Visit agerejuvenation.com. Again, if you want to lose weight, I'm down about four pounds now of, of fat, and I've, I've added some lean muscle mass. It's not just the scales, but it's the actual body fat that I've lost, which is great. Age rejuvenation is the place to go. So uh, they also have uh, uh, hormone therapy, replacement therapy for women too. My wife, Ashley, is is uh, on that, and she's seeing some great results. So agerejuvenation.com, fellas and ladies. Uh, definitely do that, and uh, and you you won't be disappointed. It's something I, I, I'm i using myself so I can uh, endorse it with, yeah. with, uh, with, with all the vigor uh, that I have. Uh, and I've got more vigor now because – I've got more testosterone. That's great. There you go. Check out agerejuvenation.com. Uh, as we start to wind down the show here, uh, another thing that was really important for the Bucks winning this game, if you want to look a little more long-term, obviously it, it gives them that one-game lead, but technically a, a two-game mm -hmm. lead because they have the tiebreaker yeah. over the Atlanta Falcons. But if you want to start looking at the playoff picture, um, that puts them only one game behind the Seahawks, who they just beat for right. the number three seed in the yeah. in the nfc and that could end up playing a more important role later That's in right. the season so you know the eagles are undefeated right now they play tonight uh, mm -hmm. i'll get to that in just a moment and the vikings had the most thrilling win that was the best game of the yeah. whole week was the the vikings defeating uh the buffalo bills 
But if you're looking at that picture later on, and you see the Bucs right now would have the four seed. Yeah. If they win that first game, they beat their opponent in the wild card game. If everyone else holds court, and by that I'm meaning the home team, the division winners mm-hmm. win their games, that means the Bucs have to go to Philly the following week in the divisional round. And yeah. I don't necessarily think the Bucs want to do that. Now, because they beat Seattle, they move a game behind Seattle for the three seed. Right. If the Bucs win, if they if they eventually overcome uh, Seattle for the three seed, mm-hmm. that means that they're playing. I mean, it would depend on what happens to the Vikings, but sure. yeah. more than likely means that they're playing the Vikings in the second round. And I don't know. I understand their team is only has one loss and Justin yeah. Jefferson is insane right. as a receiver, <laughs> yeah. but you're still going up against Kirk cousins in a prime time situation. So yeah. I understand it's still, you got weeks to go and the bucks yeah. still have to do their job. It's they interesting to think about though. Up. And to the bucks credit, they've put themselves in position where we can actually think about this and not yeah. sound like fools. So, you know, credit to Tampa Bay for getting back to 500 five and five and, and credit to Teddy for this $10 super chat. We had to close out the show. Appreciate it, Teddy. Appreciate all of our super chats. Yeah, thank you so much, Teddy. Uh, he says, if Leverett turns out to be a permanent guy and Hainsey keeps getting better, got to give Light so much credit once again. Securing our future left guard and Jensen's future replacement would be major. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things they had in mind when they drafted Hainsey. I think they would have liked him to be a guard. And again, we said mm-hmm. it before, but Hainsey was in that competition for starting left guard but then brian jensen got hurt so they had no other right. options he was gonna he so he had to play center but yeah yep. and you brought it up on the show too scott that this could be their future you know offensive line down the road you know whether it could it, be it, whether I, you know Shaq I, eventually leads and you have it, leverett and maybe get or if, if he picks yeah. it up and so yeah and you, you, know, you know what luke get might just be a better right guard right yeah. and i know Shaq mason has that that job now. And, and he's going to, I think be 30, he's got another year left on his contract. So he'll be under contract next year, but we'll see how Shaq Mason fares and red and Peter over the next couple of years. But you know, Luke Gettick, he's got three more years mm-hmm. and I know he was the second round pick, but he's not Ali Marpet. Not every <laughs> second rounder is going to, you know, be Antoine Winfield jr. Or, or Ali Marpet or Donovan Smith, these day one starters. And for Luke Edicke, we've seen him struggle. And he might need that redshirt year that Robert Hainsey enjoyed last year, Matt. So mm-hmm. I I think that that the story's not yet written for Luke Edicke. He might end up you know, being a starter. And Nick Leverett might end up being a starter. You might have Luke Edicke be a better right guard than he is a left guard. You know, A guy like Ali Marpet, he played right guard, left guard, center, made it look easy, right? But... Mm-hmm. Sometimes these guys have certain positions, like, for example, Akeem Hicks. You will never see Akeem Hicks on the right side of, of the, of the Bucks defensive line. He loves the left side. Ty Bowles has made that accommodations. That's why Vita Vea is always on the right side. <laughs> and you got Akeem Hicks always on the left side. So sometimes players have that preference. Carlton Davis is a left corner. Jamel Dean is a right corner. It's rare that they will flop sides. You might see Carlton sometimes inside in the slot or Jamel Dean in the slot. But you're not going to see those guys flip sides. That's just how it is sometimes. And so we'll see what the future holds for Luke Gedeke. But so far, so good now for Nick Leverett. Yeah, it puts the Bucks in, a, I'm not going to say great spot, but a pretty good spot uh, for the future. And, of course, yeah. uh, Jason Light does have the knack to find those diamonds in the rough. Some of those yeah. either undrafted guys or late-round guys that end up uh, doing great things for this team. So hopefully this is just another uh, – 
another one that, that that Jason Light can put on the resume, which would be pretty cool. Uh, I, I mentioned the Eagles before. They yeah. are playing tonight on Monday cool. Night Football, which is a great time to start making some picks on Underdog Fantasy. We really enjoy Underdog Fantasy. I've been making a lot of my picks over there, and the, the pickums are a ton of fun. It's the easiest way to go get some action on the NFL. That's with Underdog Fantasy and their pickums and their rivals as well. I actually made some rival picks tonight that I will uh, share in just a moment. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats or your head-to-heads, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. You pick between two and five players to fill out your pick slip, get every pick right, and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code PEWTER, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, get your first deposit doubled up to $100 with Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a great deal. So use the promo code PEWTER, get your first deposit doubled up to $100 and like I said, get some cold, hard cash. So tonight, yep. it's the Eagles against the Washington Commodores. Commodes. I made three picks in the commodes, yeah. And um, I went with the rivals. I've been doing a lot of okay. the pick-ums, over-unders, things like that. But I went with the rivals this time because, it's a, you know, they're in the same division. It's a rivalry game, even though one team's way better than the other. Um, so I went with three picks. I picked uh, Jalen Hurts to yeah. have... Um, over, a great game. <laughs> yeah. Over uh, one and a half more completions than Taylor Heineke. Okay. So if Taylor Heineke has 20 yep. completions, Jalen Hurts needs I think that's a pretty good bet. I yeah. like that bet. Then I picked uh, Brian Robinson, uh, yep. plus 31 and a half rushing yards versus Miles Sanders. Uh, I know Miles Sanders is going to get the, the rock a lot, but that's a big discrepancy yeah, in rushing yards. And, um, just that big of a number. I was like, all right, let, let me take this. If Brian yeah. Robinson has a good game, he just has to keep it like kind of close. Right. And the last one I have uh, Devonte Smith to have uh, more than seven and a half more receiving yards than Dallas Goddard, the tight end. I think either AJ Brown or Devonte Smith, one of them's going to go off. It's just yeah. a matter of which one. And if it's Smith, it should uh, play out pretty well. So those yeah. are my three picks for underdog fantasy. Feel free Feel free to ride with me or fade me if you think, oh man, these picks are terrible. Go against me, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see who the winner is. But uh, yeah, make your picks on Underdog Fantasy. Yeah, you know, we didn't really talk about this at the beginning of the show, but I kind of felt like this might be the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. And yeah, I feel, per- I feel pretty good it, about it. I had the same feeling. Yeah, feel pretty this good is about one it. One of the best uh, episodes of all time, and we're gonna try to top it on Wednesday where uh, we discussed the ongoing battle for RB1 between Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. We'll see if there's a uh, a controversy what? going on with that, especially with... A controversy? The, yeah. Huh. Especially with the, the way that Leonard Fournette has kind of yeah. handled the situation lately and the great play that Rashad White has uh, there's done. There's Mr. Stiff and, Arm himself right yeah. there. Oh, angry runs. I think angry we'll be runs. seeing a big segment with him exactly. on uh, a good morning football, hopefully tomorrow morning. Yeah. That would be, well, that'd be fun to see. Hopefully you join us on Wednesday for the next edition of the Peter Report podcast. We'll be live again at 4 o'clock. Enjoy this bye week. We'll have more coverage of the bye week and looking ahead to the rest of the season. And um, and I'll have SRS Fab 5 coming at you on Friday. So even though the Bucks are on uh, the bye week, we're not. So check out PeterReport.com and we'll see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the Pewter Report podcast.
Out. Out.